you get the the Heisman, right? You get the no way am I going to let a VMware product, you know, a virtual machine, no less, bridge a network across from one data center to another, and powerful new technology, cloud migration, fully integrated system, HCX. Today, we're delighted to announce. Welcome to the HCX Majors Podcast, episode number nine for Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. Live from Indiana, I'm Britton Johnson. And from the great white north, though it's not snowing quite yet, but soon enough, Kofi Ahulu. And from Colorado, I'm Andy Belts. Wow. And like a champ, Kofi jumps in there at the very last second on the recording. And I was going to ask you, too, what's the weather update from Canada? So that's a great, great lead in for the show. Actually, to be honest, it's it's actually pretty good. It's uh, it's fall right now, so it's nice, cool weather. I don't know. It's like being in Colorado, right? So uh, I think it's getting nice and cool. But during the day, it's nice and hot. It's kind of beautiful. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I know snow's upon us, man. I go to the mountains and it's like it is chilly. Well, and, and everything's everything's happening in Canada these days. I mean, you guys, you know, have elections just at the drop of a hat. And, you know, I, I was I was going to talk to you. I wanted, I'm glad you're here, Kofi, because I wanted to talk to you about this briefly, because as, as a person who has family from Canada, I should know more about how the electoral system works in Canada, but I have no clue where like all of a sudden they just say, hey, let's have an election. And all of a sudden they're having an election versus, uh, you know, we're in America. We do it just, you know, on schedule versus on demand. So how the, can you tell me how does how does this work? Give me a quick civics lesson on Canada. <laughs> so basically, in this case, the prime minister wanted to uh, he thought he could get more votes to get a majority government. So you, everybody has a certain number of seats. Uh, so he basically had uh, rolled up and said, yo, let's call an election, although they doesn't have to. It's not really an election year, but they can do it any at any time. Or if the party goes in and says we have a vote of non-confidence, like they can vote against it and vote to oust them. But really in this case, we, yeah, to your point, we had an election and it just basically happened in like a month. It's just like, hey, we're going to do yes. an election. You go in, they do their thing. We voted yesterday and nothing changed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and unlike American government, like there's no like TV ad spending or anything like this, right? I mean, if you count TikTok, I mean, <laughs> we, we do have some of our, because, we do have some of our uh, candidates that were on like TikTok. In, in America, like the election cycle is what's propping up the local television networks around here because they make all their money off of the election season as it rolls around. Oh, no, no, not here. People don't care. <laughs> all good, man. All right. Well, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it gives me an excuse to play my favorite clip. Yes, I Canada. <laughs> so, <laughs> I would I would have thought it would have been like a like a what is it called uh, from South Park, Philip and. Oh no, Blaine. <laughs> Terrence. Yeah, Terrence, Terrence, Terrence and Philip. Philip yeah. <laughs> or, or the Blame Canada song. Yeah. I don't have that one. That's a good I one. I thought we always get that. That's the a good Blame one. Canada. Yeah. I'll, I'll, good I'll, things come out I'll of Canada. I'll have to make a note to clip that for next time. All right. Um, Andy, I haven't talked to you in a long time. What have you been up to? How, how's, you know, you're not traveling anywhere clearly still. So what's, what's going Still on? at home. Things are going great. Um, 
Um, same old, same old, really. The, uh, over the last couple of months, I got an opportunity to do um, some really good VMware training, which sounds on the surface like, oh, we've all done a VMware training. For anybody who doesn't know, there's a place inside VMware called Center for Advanced Learning. Um, they have two courses. One is called Advanced Archi Architecture Course. The other one is called um, Advanced Customer Engagement. You have to take the first one in order to take the second one they're fantastic i would recommend them to anybody but i've been busy with those over the last couple of months and um, they've got like a whole alumni program the first one you learn all about aligning people process and technology the second one is all about um what to do when things don't go as planned and, and customers upset so to speak and let's just say the scenarios they put us in uh <laughs> We're challenging and humbling. This is <laughs> so, a VMware internal offering. Yeah, okay. yeah. So um, it's it's been going for some time, but there's only been 18 of those courses. The first one that have run, and I was in the fifth one that's ever run for the second one. They've got an outside vendor come in for for part of it and do some like leadership training and, and stuff like that. So um, it's really good stuff. And so yeah, that's the what's top of mind that I just finished last week. So cool. Um, it's uh, you get a badge for like uh, you know your LinkedIn or whatever, and and so it's it's a pretty cool cool thing. So um, I'll send you guys the uh, the link, um, and it's on Vault, so you can check it out, see what the see what you think. Awesome, I've not heard yeah. of that, so that's that's good good for our internal audience. Sorry for exactly. all those public people who came who are listening, but well, um, part, it's it's available for partners as well. So oh, partners too, even better. All right. Yep. And, and for people who aren't partners, if you can get nominated by somebody, uh, then it's available for you too, but you have to get nominated. Is this, yeah. is this at all associated with like the live fire program or is it separate? Not at all. Yeah, no, it okay. is. It is the center for advanced learning. Uh, the person who does it is, um, a VCDX. He's the director of that. He's VCDX number four. So oh, wow. he's, he's into the whole professional development stuff from a long time back, right. As it pertains to VMware. So so um, I, I, yeah, had a, good stuff. I had a professional goal this year to renew my VCIX NV, and I thought uh -huh. that I was going to have to um, take both the VCAP deploy and the VCAP design, but uh -huh. last check, there still is not a deploy exam for NSXT. It's the same one for NSXV from yeah. like five years ago. And um, that's the one I, I took back way back when. Um, yeah. And so like, so I took the, I, I did the design course in January and then I took the exam right after that, uh, like, like literally like two days after I took the design course, failed the <laughs> exam just barely. So I'm like, you know, did no study time, just took the course, took the exam, got like 75% yeah. of what I needed to get. I probably missed like two questions because mm. I had it. So then, so then I like, all right, fine. I'll actually do some real study. And then rescheduled it, took it, and and passed it. So then, so so take, passing the the VCAP design, went ahead and renewed my VCIX. So I'm like, sweet. Yep. And so then all of a sudden, I started having this crazy idea of like, well, maybe I actually need to start looking at doing a VCDX defense. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't know that I have, you know, enough to do. So maybe I need to do that too. <laughs> I want a little bit more pain in my life. Exactly. So and I'm just like, I, so I, I sat through a webinar on it and I'm just like, you know, like I started building out kind of the framework of what it's going to do, what it's going to require to do all this. And then really like what, what's shocking to me 
is at once you get past the VCP exams, like the VCP exams are hardcore technical exams. The VCAPs, yep. especially like the design one, it's really less about the technical in and outs and what you do with the product and more about the how and the why and the what are the requirements and what are all these kind of nuanced designy kind of things. And it's not really so much technical. And, and then even, even more so, as you get into VCDX, it's, it's kind of a balance between technical and, and non-technical stuff. But really, the vast majority of it is just explaining why you're making the decisions you're making. And yep. so it, it's, it's kind of intimidating at the same time of doing a VCDX defense. But, but in reality, like just the way I'm breaking it down and the way I'm looking at it, it seems to me that really it's just about being organized and being able to communicate clearly what you're trying to do in your design. Yep. Um, so, so that kind of made me feel like maybe it's actually attainable for, for somebody like me, but you know, I can't recommend that first architecture course enough. There's a whole section about what you just talked about in there and, and talking about conceptual and logical stuff. Uh, there's even a part where we, we like challenged each other to talk about a design without saying a VMware product. It's a lot harder than you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, anyways. All right. All right, let's try to jump in here a little bit. We have two guests with us today. Um, and what, what I wanted to try to cover off today, we've done a lot of update episodes throughout the short history of this podcast. Um, I know we're only at episode nine, but my goal really has been try to get out at least one episode per quarter. And we've kind of close to come close to hitting that. I, got, I took a little time off over the summer um, trying to get back into more regular cadence with this now. And I think I'm going to try to do one more of these before VMworld hits. Um, I'm going to try to pull in Gabe and Mo for that. Um, and, and really, what, what I wanted to get through today is talk about uh, HDX proof of concepts and some kind of frequently asked questions that come up during those types of engagements. And I thought, you know, who do we need to bring in for this? And, and my, the initial thought popped into my head is on, on the HDX majors internal team that, you know, that I'm a part of, um, the, the name Tom Zukowski just keeps pop popping up over and over and over and over again, especially if you're emailing the Ask HCX thread. Tom's usually one of the first guys to reply to those emails. So Tom, thanks for joining the HCX Majors podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Britton. Yeah. And also, I thought, well, hey, you know, we, we, we had a little bit of a, a leadership change on the HCX Majors team itself. And so it used to be my manager, Ian Curtis. He has since taken a backseat and he nominated a fellow peer SE of mine. And so I've invited Jason here as well. Jason Marcusano. Thank you for joining. Thanks. I see. Good afternoon. I have enough people mispronounce my name, so I try to get names right <laughs> as often as I can. Yeah, it's always fun. My son just had a soccer game last weekend, first time at uh, the college he's at, and they just butchered the last name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's all, all good. So well, welcome to both of you guys, and uh, let's let's kind of try to, to talk through some of this stuff. So, Jason, l let me just ask you quickly before we jump in with Tom. Um, as it relates to what the activities of the HDX majors are, you know, what are some of the things that you're trying to help steer us towards over the next, you know, coming future term of what the majors is op operating and what, what we're trying to do? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know first off, you know, the majors, we kind of, I like to consider the team kind of the tip of the spear when it comes to HCX for uh, technical knowledge. Um, understanding where it's going, providing guidance back to the, the BU based on what we're seeing from our customers and assisting uh, account teams and, and customers with uh, the adoption of HCX, right? So 
uh, yeah, the, the cool thing is, is we get access as a team. It's, it's, it's a bunch of volunteers. We all volunteer to help out with HCX. Um, so we're, we're spending extra cycles of time outside of our daily jobs to, to, to contribute to the team. Um, but we also then get early access to, to roadmaps and whatnot, get feedback before the, the roadmap gets out to um, the rest of the world. So it, it's pretty cool stuff. Um, the big thing that, that for, for me, for the team is, is growing the team with active participants, um, getting more active participants. I mean, Tom, you're awesome. You're right, Tom. Tom's the one that answers the emails right off the bat and all that. Um, and, and we keep track of points on, on the team and that. And Tom by far leads the, the point standings for, for activities. I, know, but, I, I uh, tried catching him for a while there. And after a while, I just gave up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, 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 well, and I compare them both to both, you know, and, and it's just Tom's bar just keeps low growing by leaps and bounds, but uh, yeah, no. So what, what I want to see is the team grow um, with active contributors, right? So it, it can't be just four or five people contributing. So we're always looking for, for people who, who have a passion, want to spend some extra time and actively contribute that, that that's where one of the growth teams and, and we're here to help you learn. So I, I'm a big believer of C1, do one, teach one medical methodology of how, how medicine's taught, right? So see a POC, do a POC, teach a POC, right? Don't, don't hold the information in, but, but contribute out to the world. So, and I think this, this podcast is kind of part of that, that, that contributing um, teach one as well. So that, that's a big one. And uh, the other big thing that I want to see is, 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 Maybe majors taking a more active role in, in content creation and, and doing things like podcasts and, and PowerPoints for consumption and boot camps and whatnot. So those, those are the, the two directions that, that I'm trying to guide the team. Perfect. Well, thanks again. Let's, let's kind of jump into the overall discussion of stuff here. So Tom, first of all, do you have any count of how many POCs or other projects relating to HCX that you have been involved in today? You know, I don't really keep track, but... Um... People keep finding me, and I'm I I don't ever say no, and that's that's been a, a you know good thing in my career, and uh, it, it helps me learn it because you know people people ask, and I'm like, well, I don't know, but I'll give it a shot, and and uh, you know try, try and help, and and everybody's environment's a little different, so it's um you know it's it's a, a challenge, but uh, you know uh, I'll uh, and then none of them seem to be the same. That's the other thing, right? Everyone's got a little bit different twist on it, so it's um. And you're, uh, you're, yeah. you're kind of like Jason and I, you're a VCNSE, a day job, right? right? Yeah. But, but you're covering what area? Uh, enterprise, so in the Great Lakes, okay. which is Michigan, Indiana, and uh, Northern Ohio. So really, really big customers up in the yep. North, North, okay. Yep, All right. and, and that's, that's my day job, but um, I've helped people in um, Europe. You know, I meet people at 7 a.m. In, in Europe to help them troubleshoot, um, you know, things and... Um, you know, at least, at least I know. And if I'm helping someone in Europe, they can't find me because I'm, you know, in a way, but, um, but, uh, you know, I do, do give it, you know, a good, good shot anyway. And uh, yeah, people uh, either, either on Slack or that, like Jason said, the ask HCX majors or ask HCX uh, email alias. All right. So I, I asked you beforehand for three things that you felt were good kind of lessons learned from some of the POCs you've been on. So let's talk about number one on the list, licensing. Um, what are some of the things that you have seen come back to either bite you or um, cause potential issues or things that you have learned out of this licensing aspect of HCX? The way you license HCX is through NSX Enterprise Plus. Uh, it, it's kind of a surprise when I, you know, I, I go through this all the time with different sales teams from around the country. What, what, what does my customer need? I only want to use it for a month because they're only going to migrate for a month. And um, you know, everyone would like a short-term 
short-term um, license and and um, you know but so anyway so it, it's you know walking them through they need a uh, NSX Enterprise Plus um, we of course now we've got term licenses so we that, that becomes a little bit easier if the customer doesn't already own NSX and and uh, you know like most of our products we we have all the you know the best features are in the enterprise version so then there's an add-on license to that as well um, and, and it, what's been a little confusing, I think, on top of that, you know, most of the time I deal with just, um, you know, enterprise data center customers. But, um, you know, for as many folks I've helped that way, there's all of the, uh, the IBM cloud, the VMC, AVS. Uh, haven't done anything on Google cloud yet, but, um, you know, all of the vSphere public clouds have HCX kind of embedded in there. So it's, um, it's uh, you know. That, that, that's the easy part because it's included with the product. Yeah, I think uh, for me, obviously with all the different VMC products, uh, one of the confusions, and I, I remember this from a long time ago, you know, specifically whether you're using like Oracle or uh, using AVS or using VMC on AWS or, or whatever it is, and how it ties into all the different destination licensing pieces. So uh, have you run a POC for multi-cloud or anything like that or anything, words of wisdom? Not yet, um, but but it, it is a challenge because, uh, you know, especially we see, you know, on the Ask um, HCX mailing list where cost, co companies got a VMC and then maybe they want to add a second cloud, right? Uh, so they've got this license with VMC. Now they try to add uh, AVS and that's all and fine. Everything will work. And then what happens? Well, for whatever reason, if they stop using the VMC service or they add another service. So now you have a little bit of a, you know, well, who's, whose license do I use to, um, to run that? And that's, that's definitely one I punt back to, um, to our good friend, Gabe, uh, to, to really uh, understand like all that's going on behind there. Um, that, you know, that's a lot. It's all handled on the back end of HCX, not in the, on what we see. Yes. So I, th I think the number one question I get in like, just as it pertains to licensing too, is, is how is it licensed? But then above and beyond that is, um, um, I get the question of a couple times in the last couple of weeks actually was like, um, so, so the scenario would be like a, a customer wants to use HCX to migrate from one environment to another. Um, me, me being from the VCF world, that's, coming from VCF three to four. That's what they wanted to do, but they're going to have multiple VCF four environments. So the question keeps coming up is, can we reuse the, the license from say migrate one environment to one new environment and then reuse the license from the, the next environment to do the next migration? And so I, it's kind of a tricky question. I, I think technically speaking, I know, I think what could work, but um, so I don't know if any of you guys have run into that, but I think it, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a gray area, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've been answering, there's nothing in HCX that limits, that ties the license to a host, but I, but I know, you know, there's things in our, uh, EULA that, you know, if you're, if you're trying to avoid costs of a thing, then that can be considered, um, you know, like you said, a gray area. Um, sure. But, you know, when a customer is only using it for a certain amount of time, um, it's definitely, uh, you know, a higher pay grade than me to just, <laughs> and, and to all of us to decide like, uh, what's um, yeah. valid. And, and I think to that, I mean, like, that, Andy, you're right. That is something that comes up, but really on almost every single engagement where you start talking about ACX. Because and then I think I think ultimately that's why we have released now this 
term-based uh, skew for HDX Enterprise, where a customer needs to use the Enterprise features for you know a certain calendar period of time instead of owning it forever. So as long as they own Enterprise Plus for NSX, they can you know term-based add on the HDX Enterprise features to get you know, replication assistive emotion and all that good stuff that goes with that. And then not have to deal with kind of this, well, now we have this thing, but we don't really want it or we want to move it around. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of just say, use it for this thing. Here's the time period you can use it for. And then when you're done, you're done. Um, it kind of makes it a nicer, a, a more, a, a lot cleaner of a conversation versus the, you know, yeah, the leapfrogging of the license from one place to the next. And, you know, it, it makes it like, like, like Tom said, there's, you know, compliance issues related to that, but you know, it's we're, we're, we're I think we're trying to get get this more flexible for customers. We're just not right to where exactly the customer base would like it to be yet, but we're getting, we're getting there. I, I think it's interesting. So the the term license, you know, it, I had was on a call yesterday for an hour, and they, well, what about a six month license? Well, you know, I, and then I explain who I am, and I'm just I'm not making the rules. I'm just telling you what the rules <laughs> are today. License. Um, you know, if you can negotiate something better, great, but. Um, but then I also chuckle because I've been involved even with my own customers that, you know, everyone thinks it's, you know, it's a weekend project to migrate from a data center to yeah. another data center. And, and usually they take, you know, 10 times as long as, as you think, even if you plan. So, so I kind of chuckle thinking six months that in reality, they're probably going to be using this for two years and, you know, they're going to be wishing they bought, you know, a, a longer term license you know, up front. And just to add to that, there's long-term capabilities of HCX as well, right? So, so, you know, a lot of customers think, gosh, I'm only going to migrate a VM from A to B and never use HCX again. And, and, the, and I, I think we get in trouble because we don't talk a lot about the DR capabilities that HCX mm-hmm. does as well, or, or rebalancing the data center as, as workloads change. So HCX can be a, a, a part of your, your operational life cycle long after the migrations are done. True, things change, right? So you, you never know if like a month down the line, you just got to, you can't throw away something that quickly. I don't think in, in management environments where you're trying to do something. And then I think usually the, even the migration use case will come back up before you know it uh, to, to use it for the same thing again. Um, so I, w- I, I think I would advise that you can't be so quick to throw away things that, um, you know, I, I think you'd be shocked of how, how often you could just reuse the same tool. Number two, network extension. I've done a, a, a handful of HDX POCs. I've not done really any with network extension to date. I'm interested to hear kind of your your lessons on this time of like, you know, what, what are some of the things that you've run across that have caused issues there or maybe just things to look out for? Well, I would say number one is if you if you first talk about HCX and network extension and the network team is in the room with the virtualization team, you get the, the Heisman, right? You get the, no way am I going to let a VMware product, you know, a virtual machine, no less, uh, extend a bridge and network across, you know, from one data center to another and or into the public cloud. And, you know, uh, and, and I've been a network guy my whole career. And I mean, you know, everybody's had spanning tree woes and, and you know, loops and, and you know, uh, broadcast storms. And so, so there's a lot of good reason. And I think, you know, at least I try to paint the picture that a lot of that old layer two stuff that blow up networks really doesn't exist anymore. And there's art suppression in, in some of this, you know, layer two technology and, and, um, uh, but you still usually get the no, and then the customer tries to go and do it themselves, maybe with buying, you know, some, some of their new newest switches from whatever their favorite switch vendor is. And, you know, it takes six months to get the switches in and yada, yada, yada. They, they still haven't really made any, any headway on doing their layer two extension. So then they'll come back and 
say, well, hey, you know, let's talk about layer two extension with HCX. And, and then so usually it takes a couple of calls before the network team even allows the virtualization team to even think of doing something like that. Um, you know, it's kind of the one is just kind of overcoming the network team objections. But then um, definitely having it included as part of like the uh, VMC and AVS and GCVE makes it nice because it's just a feature you turn on. Um, and, and uh, you know, as, as we just kind of come up with a new feature that, you know, mobility optimized networking that allows us to do like some local routing that, you know, they're not, they're not so worried about, uh, you know, having to come all the way back and forth between, uh, you know, the, the remote site back to the gateway the, on, the, on the source site. Um, you know, I always see when you, when you, I used to do whiteboards all the time back, you know, pre-COVID days, and you'd draw that link between one site and another, and no one wanted to see that data center that they, they kept thinking, oh, that's going to kill the application. And I'm like, okay, well, what is your latency? And, you know, there, it's a crosstown data center, and it's, oh, it's like three, three milliseconds of a latency. It's like, okay, well, you think a user is even going to notice that. But as a network person, you look at an extra hop back and forth, you think, oh, that's bad. But um but, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it's just the objections over that. And then, um, you know, and then the kind of, I would say the next point that you run into is, well, how many, how many network extension appliances do I use, right? Do I create a one per VLAN? Do I put uh, eight VLANs, like the, the limit today is eight VLANs on a network extension appliance? Do I go the other way and, and do eight to one? And that's, you know, I think there's some art to doing that, um, you know, managing that, um, that the implementation piece of it. Uh, once you convince the customer that you know it is a good uh, good uh, architecture to do, so let's let's roll that back then a little bit first. So, what what are some of the ways that you try to get them to just open up a little bit? You know, is there any kind of like do you try to quell their fears? Do you try to you know relate to them on a you know networking level that that's you know to try to you know peel peel back the onion a little bit? I'm curious. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's uh you know. What, what ask them, you know, what, why, why would you say no? Um, uh, you know, and, and I think it's funny because, uh, you know, application people don't want anything to do with changing IP addresses and networking people think that's a piece of cake, right? It's just, I spin up a new DHCP server, or I just reserve some more, you know, private addresses. It's, it's no big deal. And, and when you get everybody in the room and they all get a say, then, then that certainly helps, right? That you, or you find an application where you can't change the IP addresses because the IP is mapped to a license or something like that. Um, you know, I, I think explaining that there's a lot more involved than just providing some new subnets at the destination, right? I mean, there, that's a, you know, part of it, you know, every, everybody looks in their, in their channel of, of, uh, of what they're there to re, uh, to support. And, um, you know, so we, so we kind of walked through those, those discussions and, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's just, uh, you know, they have to buy new hardware at both ends. And, it, you know, if you, if you can kind of hint to whoever's managing the project that, you know, well, why are you buying hardware to migrate out of the data center? You know, that doesn't, doesn't um, always make the, the most sense, but, um, and sometimes it's just, hey, turning it on, turning HCX on, extending one VLAN. And showing them how how easy it is, right? I mean, you, once you configure the the the, you don't even have to con, you know uh, spin up the appliances. HCX manager spins up the the pair of of these layer two bridging appliances, and when they see how easy it is, and you know it's it's easy to control as well, and um, you know it just takes takes time. But I and I still think I hear you know fifty percent of the migrations are just migrations only, and fifty percent involves some type of uh, you know layer two extension. So. I, 
I wanted to ask you, I've been chomping at the bit. I don't know. I've been, re- <laughs> but um, what's, what's actually pretty cool. So I, you know, in the, in this scenario, and I was wondering if you, you've seen it, like, especially with the network extension piece, uh, you know, the redeploy functionality uh, and how quick it is and how mm-hmm. very little disruption actually happens. So one of the things I tried to, to do, and I don't know if you do the same, but um, when, when we're in a POC state, so one of the things we had to do was, you know, security or an end networking where like, well, you know, what if, how big is the outage that's going to happen when you guys have to, when one of these fails, it's like, let's fail the whole thing. <laughs> and yeah. Literally, you know, with not production workloads, but with, with the, obviously the test workloads as we're passing traffic back and forth and then seeing how many, you know, pings are lost or whatever it is. And obviously we've made enhancements to, to some of those capabilities. Is that something you incorporate into like validation for, uh, for, for networking team or, or do you kind of shy away from things like that? Um, I haven't really run into that yet, but um, because again, I'm on the pre-sale side, right? So I don't have, I always tell people, I just, I don't have to make it work. I just have to make it look like it's working and, and, um, and it, and it, and it does really work, but it, it's, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure as, as someone who is charged with, you know, uh, putting something up in production, then, then yeah, you would incorporate that into the testing. And, and you're right. There's a lot of advantage. I mean, uh, Britton and Jason and I, you know, we've been doing this for two years and HCX has come a long way, um, you know, in, in two years. And for example, like the, just like the whole upgrade features, right? Every time you had to upgrade HCX, the network appliances had to go down. So now you have a, a, a data plane outage. Now you upgrade the HCX and it creates a new network extension appliance. And, um, you know, you don't notice that the data plane even drops. So, um, you know, there's... As customers ask for features, I think HCX is one of those products that you know it gets built by customer um, requirements, and and it's um it's getting easier to sell that network functionality versus well, what do you mean it's a VM and and like you said, if it's got a reboot, but the you know the reboot time's quicker, and the availability is um, uh, much higher now. And I think that nails on the head why you know when, when you're having that discussion between the networking and the work team and all that, and they're giving you the Heisman why the software defined approach is so much more flexible when, when you're trying to go in and, and, and do these migrations, right? I mean, that, 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 that's the advantage of, of the, the VMware software suite. So you, know, you, you get those appliances, you're gonna use the infrastructure that's already there. You're gonna spin up all this functionality. And oh, by the way, we're, we're on a pretty rapid development cycle with HCX as well. So we're, we're, we're constantly injecting new feature functionality into it. And we're not gonna ask you to rip or replace uh, uh, an appliance or, or a nice little pet in, in a rack. To, to get the functionality here, we're going to coordinate that upgrade. We're going to give you those features on the fly as part of uh, managing the HCX environment. And I feel like we could talk about this network stuff a lot deeper because it's just, <laughs> there's there's so much that goes into that. So I'm not trying to gloss over this, but I'm just trying to keep us moving on time here. Number three, service mesh architecture. So this is something that I think is kind of a, a moving target based on what the customer is trying to achieve. Uh, first of all, I guess, Tom, Tom, can you give me a, a quick primer and give the listeners a quick primer on what a service mesh is? Sure. So a service mesh is a uh, series of appliances that get built for specific functions. And um, for example, the three main functions are uh, replicating data from the source site to the destination. Another one is uh, WAN optimization that does uh, you know DD and compression so that you get more bandwidth than your actual bandwidth um, out of the connection from the source to the destination site. And the third one is this network extension appliance that we talked about. And, and then those three appliances, you know, the, the quantities and the connections, you know, the number of them 
um, that I'll create what we call the service mesh in HCX. And it's, you know, it's, it's similar like you hear service mesh in a container environment, right? It's a, it's a you know, VM services that, that form a, um, you know, a functionality that does migrates VMs from yeah, site A to site B. It's the old, when our powers combine. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's kind of one of the misunderstood things and I, I think as jason mentioned earlier you know he's really looking to like improve uh you know design and documentation and and understanding of of, of how these things uh how these pieces work together and i think that's that would be great if if uh you know that this this next uh you know year we as the majors come up and and uh, come up and able to document and and provide design expertise as well so one of the things that I've seen around this, like that is, you know, there's specific ways that you can use service meshes to kind of make your HDX deployment more efficient. And I think the, the the main piece around that is using like a service mesh per cluster in most cases. Where where and when would a customer want to use multiple service meshes? The high end, I think it kind of comes in with how quickly does a customer have to evacuate their data center, right? So that so eventually all the data is from those VMs have to get moved to the destination site, and if you have one service mesh. You have one data path that that you can start replicating the data, and and uh, you know some customers they're fine with that, and they can they can actually you know replicate you know all of their clusters over a single service mesh. But then there's another group of customers that need to get rapidly out of the one the source data center into the destination data center. So they ask, well, hey, can I spin up multiples of these? Because it's so easy to spin up a service mesh. Oh, why don't I do two or three or four? And and um, you know it's a valid question. And an HCX gets tied to a to a vCenter at the high level, but then the service mesh gets tied to a, a cluster or a data center, a data center as described in, or a data center object like in vCenter. And then uh, another option could be a, a virtual switch, right? So if you have three virtual switches, you could have three ser service meshes. So each of these different objects in vCenter can, can you know, you can have multiple service meshes or just a single service mesh. And there's, you know, different design points, depending on how fast customers want to move data or how um, maybe they, for better reliability, they want to have two service meshes. So they, they have like, can, can do those migrations over two paths. See, that's really interesting. I mean, I kind of was, that's, I've always kind of wondered that. And I've always kind of taken that question a little bit for granted. Cause I, you know, I, I don't tend to get into too many that are multiple, but it's the, the question does come up and it's really interesting. So appreciate the, mm -hmm. The info for in the VCF environment, maybe you have one workload cluster right at the destination, but you've got maybe three clusters on the source side. So now you can have three service meshes, or you could just do do one. Um, so a service mesh can support multiple clusters, or or you can break you know uh, multiple service meshes. You can have multiple service meshes match the cluster numbers. So sorry, Kofi, what were you? Uh, I'm going to ask or comment. Well, I, I think I was going to a little bit of both. So I think, you know, with with planning and migration, like as they start planning, leveraging multiple service meshes to be able to accelerate uh, like uh, mobility groups or just basically how many options you're actually or how many workloads you can migrate at a given time. Mm -hmm. um, that makes a lot of, a lot of sense over the, the data path. Right. And then the other part is maybe you are uh, have a constraint on uh, on on uh, kind of network A and network B or whatever it may be, um, that you can implement separate um, uh, policies with uh, the 
um, the WAN optimization component, right? Right, rate limiting traffic uh, on e each of the different service meshes, which would be mm -hmm. very interesting. So, anyways, I'm agreeing with you. I just there's I think there's a lot of applications for multiple service meshes, so it's pretty cool. And I've had some cases, you know, in a, in a proof of concept or or a proof of concept went into production, and then the customer thinks, well, wow, I can I do this differently? And and it really helps if you think of all those things up in advance. But if you don't, you, it's easy to change, right? So if I have one service mesh and the customer, for example, has got three clusters and they think, well, we'll just do one. You can just create a compute profile in HCX that says all of three clusters share the same service mesh. Um, to, to break that up and create three service meshes is, is really simple. You just create a new compute profile and then HCX spins up the new appliances and creates the service meshes. And it, it, it's so um, it's so simple to use, uh, you know, and, and to really change your design, you know, mid course if you, if you have to or want to. Jason, Andy, Kofi, and Tom, any other kind of last things that are maybe, you know, popping up before we wrap up here? Last bits of wisdom, thoughts about this process? Any other frequently yeah. asked questions that come up a lot? I always, <laughs> it's that, that activation process, especially with, uh, well, I, I deal specifically with uh, VMC on Dell um, in a lot of cases now. So even as we, we enable or activate HCX and just making sure that the fire rules, rules are there so that when you deploy the manager on one side, it doesn't just fail. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jason's oh, yeah. nodding his head because he's probably like, really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure, like, just do some pre-fight checks just before you, you go and do that i think that's that's uh that's important and um and i think a lot of the you know uh, a lot of the pieces as you plan plan on hcx it's it's actually pretty neat once we you know you get an idea of the services and and then how the customer is going to scale it out so in a lot of cases i think pocs typically turn into prod unless they're tearing down the environment as a whole because hcx is fairly easy to to redeploy um but i think in a lot of cases, just like pre-planning IPs and to your point, the number of um, you know IP reservations for network extensions and, and service meshes are super important. And um, just even do that during, it, just get in the habit of doing that, you know, as you're talking with the customer and explaining why, and then it just makes your, 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 your deployments and, and testing go a lot smoother. Yeah, the big thing I would add is, and especially the coffee's pre-flight checks, and I, I sound like a broken record because I recommend this with every boot camp, um, every POC, is, is go run CCLI after you instantiate your service mesh and, and, and go run a perf test on your service mesh and, and know what your bandwidth is actually between your two sites. Because if you go into docs at vmware.com, uh, go look at the H6 documentation, every type of migration type has different levels of bandwidth requirements. To achieve that that migration, so I think it's 100 megabits for for the vMotion. So, if you, you you may think you've got all this great bandwidth on your pipe, but I actually had a talk with a customer where they were doing backups all day long from one direction to another. So we could migrate one way, but whenever we tried to bring the VMs back, the vMotions would fail. Uh, we'd have to we could bulk them back, um, but we couldn't vMotion them back. And the customer was like, ah, you know, this is an HCX issue. Well, then we went and did the perf tests and. Ah, well, the bandwidth was good in one direction, but lots of packet drops the other. And uh, oh, by the way, yeah, we're copying our backups all day long. So uh, that's my big word of wisdom. That's a good one. Firewall rules is the big one. And I had one POC that it took three weeks from the first day we installed HCX to get all the different ports open 
between the manager and the V center and the manager and the host. And it was a very lockdown environment. And, um, and uh, it, it's just a uh, checks will tell you that it's a lockdown and, and uh, you know, like, like Jason said, the CCLI, and then also the, um, you know, it, it, there's a test right after the service mesh gets built and, you know, in, in a lockdown environment, just be prepared to hand the, the firewall team, the long list of things that need to be open, or you're going to be, you know, it's going to be a hurry up and wait uh mode for quite a while all right guys i'm i'm gonna call it here i think we got like two minutes left on our time so thank you for the time and expertise and wisdom and tom thanks for letting us ping you with all these questions thanks guys oh absolutely Thanks for listening to the HTX Majors podcast. Thanks to Andy, Kofi, Jason, and Tom for joining us today. If you're enjoying the show, please rate us on your podcast app of choice. Please share it so others can find us. And thanks again for listening to us. Look for more episodes to come out soon. We're approaching VMworld time here in 2021. Lots of good information and new product additions coming at that point. And we'll hopefully get some episodes put out around that as soon as possible. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Real simple, any device, any application, any cloud intrinsic security.